Chinese toys blamed for the death of seven children. The U.S. Consumer Protection Authority warning parents to immediately dispose of the playsets. Overwhelmed crematoriums and underreporting of COVID-19. First-hand accounts from residents in China's Henan province calling attention to the plight the country is facing. A new law sending chills through universities in Florida, banning them from partnering with China. A look at the growing controversy. And a U.S. senator calling on President Biden to sanction a chip designer serving the Chinese military. At the same time, China is halting all tech exports tied to rare earth. Welcome to China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Chinese-made toys blamed for the deaths of seven children. The U.S. Consumer Protection Authority is warning people to immediately stop using toy magnetic ball sets made by Chinese seller Dorimon. The guidance instructs parents to take the toys away from their kids and dispose of them. In a Thursday statement, the agency said 2,400 children who swallowed magnets from the toy set needed treatment from hospitals from 2017 through 2021. Of them, seven died. Five of them were from the United States. Here's the main danger. Magnets used in the toy set can come loose and small children could swallow them. The statement explains that when magnets are swallowed, they can attach to each other or to another metal object and become lodged in the digestive system. The regulator also found that the magnets used in the toys are stronger than safety limits allow, making it even more dangerous. The statement showed the toys were sold exclusively online through Amazon for about $25. The sets came in a clear plastic case inside a portable tin storage box. The regulator said it issued a violation notice to Chinese seller Doraemon. The seller has not agreed to recall the magnetic ball sets or offer a remedy to consumers. Waves of infection are plaguing China. Residents from the northern Henan province told us about the situation on the ground. They say the medical system has been ordered to avoid reporting deaths as caused by COVID-19. To protect their identities, we gave the residents pseudonyms, distorted their voices. Take a listen. This wave of virus has claimed many lives and the crematorium cannot keep up. It operates continuously, day and night. It has eight cremation furnaces and 24 hours a day, there are people working there. He explained that hospitals in the area typically attribute these deaths to underlying health conditions. He noted that many older people in the area did have underlying conditions like high blood pressure or diabetes but went on to say their conditions were stable with help from medications. That changed after getting affected by China's current outbreak. He said that's when their conditions declined quickly and many couldn't be saved. Now in the medical system, they don't let you say that the deaths are related to COVID-19. The day before yesterday, a friend's father in his 70s passed away. The hospital said his death was due to underlying health conditions. That's the official narrative now. A resident from another city in Henan province told us his uncle passed away after getting affected. And that's despite getting vaccinated with the dose produced in China. Every hospital is packed with people, and there are numerous cases of the so-called white lung syndrome. My uncle had white lung. There are also many with it in his hospital. Some were discharged from the hospital even without being fully recovered. 
White lung refers to a symptom of pneumonia that shows up on X-rays. It appears when a patient's lungs get infected. It's a common symptom seen in China's most recent outbreaks. This wave began spreading in China in September and has swept across the country. The Chinese Communist Party blames the outbreak on influenza and mycoplasma pneumonia while downplaying COVID-19. A Florida law is sparking controversy in academia. The law bans state universities from taking grants from China plus six other countries. It also prohibits state colleges from partnering with college or entities from these countries. Meaning even though Floridian universities can admit students from those countries, they can't hire them to do research projects unless they get waivers from the state's top higher education body. The biggest share of Florida's international students comes from China. The law affects 12 public colleges and universities in the state. They're still working out policies to conform to the new statute. The University of Florida has suspended hiring graduate and Ph.D. students from these countries. Though the move has already faced pushback. Over 300 faculty members wrote a letter to the university's president, urging him to continue hiring talent regardless of where they come from. State lawmakers say the rule aims to prevent Beijing from spreading influence on Florida's campuses. Chinese money has long been flowing into America's higher education system. In 2020, several top universities, including Yale and Cornell, were found to have failed to report over $3 billion in foreign gifts. Many of those donations came from China and Qatar. Now a deeper dive into the growing controversy on Florida's campuses. On the one hand, Chinese students and faculty members report fears of discrimination. On the other, authorities are doubling down on rooting out Beijing's efforts to steal American know-how. Joining us to discuss the nuances is Andrew Thornbrook, national security correspondent for the Epic Times. Andrew Thornbrook, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you back on the show. Thanks so much for having me, Tiffany. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, a new Florida law is sending a chill down some professors' spines. That's because under the new law, they're not sure if they're allowed to give out paid research positions to students from China and six other countries of concern. What challenges do you see in enforcing this law? So the law was really passed to try to confront this malign influence we've seen proliferate through our universities from the Chinese Communist Party. We've seen with, you know, organizations like the Confucius Institute, which is funded in part by a, a propaganda department of the Chinese Communist Party to sort of promote pro-CCP uh, talking points in the guise of cultural exchange. Uh, and, and so this the law really comes from a place of wanting to protect against that. The problem is that the Chinese Communist Party explicitly targets ethnic Chinese, right? Uh, this is one aspect of this. And in trying to understand that and counter it, we, we've sort of opened up this can of worms where we might create laws that inadvertently harm innocent Chinese people or prevent them from having opportunities here. And given that, because there are concerns of universities, not just with the Confucius Institute programs, but also getting funding from China, sparking concerns that now the universities will self-censor to continue getting that money. When it comes to China and China's influence, what do you think needs to be done going forward? We, of course, need to be on the lookout for how the regime 
uses our our open system and our our willingness to do research with international partners for its own benefit we we need to be on the watch out for that but we we can't give in and try to just wholesale shut ourselves off or prevent people from coming here who want to do good research and want to involve themselves with America right just because of the place they came from that's not their fault and they don't deserve to have that opportunity taken so that's that's something a balancing act that we're just going to have to really struggle with in the years to come Andrew Thornbrook, thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much for having me. Senator Marco Rubio is urging the Biden administration to blacklist another Chinese microchip firm. Chip designer Bright Semiconductor has been found to be part owned by Chinese chipmaker SMIC, a company sanctioned by the U.S. Bright Semiconductor also designs chips for at least six Chinese military suppliers, all while maintaining U.S. investment and without violating any export regulations set by Washington. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg has more on the senator's call to action. Bright Semiconductor's second largest shareholder and number one supplier, microchip maker SMIC, was added to the U.S. entity list by the Trump administration in 2020. The corporation is barred from importing some advanced AI chips from U.S. suppliers over its apparent ties to Beijing's military. But despite that, Bright still has access to U.S. investors and technology. That includes software from American firms like Synopsys and Cadence Design. A Reuters examination of Bright Firm's statements, regulatory filings, tenders and other means found that Bright offers services to at least six Chinese military suppliers. Senator Marco Rubio says it shows the U.S.'s current export control scheme doesn't work. The GOP lawmaker urged Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo in a letter on Wednesday to hit Bright with the same restrictions imposed on SMIC, saying swift action is needed now to stop China's chip industrial base from growing stronger. Rubio is also calling for more restrictions on shipments of chip design software to China. Concern over Bright is rising on both sides of the aisle. Democratic Senator Bob Casey points to access to U.S. investors. Silicon Valley-based Norwest Venture Partners has roughly a 13% stake in Bright, largely backed by Wells Fargo, the fourth largest bank in the U.S. Congressman Mike Gallagher, chair of the House Select Committee on the CCP, is also asking the Commerce Department to do more to prevent U.S. technology flowing into China's military. The Reuters report found no evidence that Bright or its U.S. suppliers had violated any U.S. export laws. And Bright might soon access a wider range of investors. The Shanghai Stock Exchange gave the green light this week for Bright to make an initial public offering after delaying its bid to go public over its relationship with SMIC. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. A step up in U.S.-China trade tensions, the world's top processor of rare earths, says it won't share its technology with other countries. On Thursday, China's commerce and technology departments announced a ban on exporting critical technologies tied to processing rare earths. The decision cited national security concerns. The ban will cover technology in almost every step of the refining process, mining, extracting, smelting, and separating the strategic metals. Rare earth metals are critical for both civil and military use, from making weapons and warships to smartphones and electric cars. And China's new restrictions specifically targets technology linked to the electrical and aeronautical industries. At the same time, the White House is eyeing ways to cull Chinese electric vehicles from the U.S. market. The Wall Street Journal reported on Thursday that Biden administration officials are in talks over raising more tariffs on certain Chinese imports. Chinese EVs, EV batteries and solar products are all on their radar.
Experts say cheap exports from China have been hurting America's auto industry. Former President Trump imposed tariffs on Chinese goods worth nearly $300 billion. Now President Biden is looking to hike up those fees in order to protect American brands. Next, we'd like to take a moment to share some of your comments about yesterday's show. CK wrote in, China is a large creature that is infected and is dying a slow death. For it to survive, it will have to change its attitude like the USSR, the Soviet Union, to Russia. Don't forget to tell us what you think of today's show or if you have an idea for something you'd like to see us cover. Send us an email at chinainfocus at ntd.com. Coming up, the U.S. is starting to renew a controversial deal with China, why some lawmakers say the deal helps Beijing to advance its military. U.S. intelligence report zeroes in on Chinese meddling in U.S. elections. An expert breaks it down. Top-level military talks between the U.S. and China resume after over a year of radio silence. America's top general says it's critical to avoiding war. And over $200 billion in trade exchanged during wartime. China has reaped significant gains from the Russian market this year. Find out what's bringing the profits. We're on those stories after the break here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Washington is starting the renewal process for a controversial science pact with Beijing. But on Capitol Hill, calls to stop it are growing. Some lawmakers are concerned that Beijing could use the technology from the pact against the United States. Former President Jimmy Carter signed the deal with then-Chinese leader Deng Xiaoping in 1979. Since then, it has been renewed every five years and has allowed the Chinese Communist Party to access advanced American technology. The pact expired this August, but plans for its renewal has come under mounting pressure. Ten lawmakers wrote a letter to the State Department urging it to trash the agreement. Their biggest concern, Beijing has and will continue to use technology gained from the pack to advance its military and use it against the U.S. That's despite ongoing military tension with Washington over Taiwan and concerns over Chinese espionage. Those who support extending the deal argue that without the pact, the U.S. would lose valuable insight into China's technological advances. The letter cites a number of examples of U.S.-China research. It says, under the pact, meteorological agencies from both countries launched balloons to study the atmosphere, adding that this year Beijing used similar balloon technology to spy on U.S. military sites. Another example ties into the U.S. Department of Agriculture. The agency has joint research projects with China on sensitive dual-use military technologies. That's including techniques for analyzing satellites, plus drone imagery for irrigation management. Plus, medical research is also involved. Scientist Ben Hu at the Wuhan Institute of Virology had done extensive research on how coronaviruses infect humans. Some of the projects he worked on was bankrolled by the U.S. government. Hu fell ill in late 2019, before the pandemic officially began. His symptoms were similar to those of COVID-19 or a seasonal illness. That's according to a report from the Wall Street Journal. China is eager to renew the deal. The State Department said it would extend the science pact by six months. 
A new report says China is meddling in U.S. elections. It comes from U.S. intelligence, which found China, Russia, Iran and Cuba increased efforts to interfere in last year's midterm elections. The report says the Chinese regime tried to undermine certain candidates and promote others deemed pro-China. And it targeted members of both parties. Evelyn Lee with NTD Good Morning spoke to Adam Savitt, director for the China Policy Initiative at the America First Policy Institute, for details. Watch. First, um, lots of uh, the assessment was actually redacted. So first, I want to hear from you. What do you know about the methods of interference that, that we're, we've been seeing from China? Well, the methods, as you mentioned, they're not necessarily top down from the highest levels uh, in Beijing, but they sort of empower these free agents uh, on existing social media platforms. And the thing is, we have a free society, so it's very difficult to identify and interdict a lot of these influencers. Now, on a platform like X or Twitter, uh, the official Chinese government accounts, let's say the Global Times is one of their major English outlets, that'll be labeled a government account. And also I've seen uh, in this recent Gaza conflict, a lot of their um, uh, pro-Hamas uh, influencers in China are identified by acts as government or quasi-government actors. But the truth is, it's very difficult to actually identify who those influencers are. And as you mentioned, uh, these influencers are expert at playing on existing tensions within the United States, uh, such as racial tensions, abortion, gun rights, issues that are already very controversial. And what this does is it allows them to sort of run under the radar because this controversial discourse is already, already happening. They just sort of piggyback on top of it and then weaponize that, as you said, to uh, target uh, candidates from either party, but that are perceived to be against the interests of the CCP regime. So for example, uh, one that they hounded in New York is someone who they perceive to have supported the 1989 Tiananmen Square protest. So we're talking uh, a very long memory and uh, long grudges that they are pursuing. So I know that most of it happens on social media. Of course, that's very effective in shaping public opinion, I guess, but does it go beyond that? It does. Uh, you know, one term that's used is elite capture, and that applies to uh, elected officials as well. Perhaps one of the most infamous examples uh, was Eric Swalwell. Uh, now they, uh, of course, representative from uh, California. But what they try to do is catch these uh, um, these officials when they're actually a little bit lower in the ranks and they sort of uh, spread out their influence and send these agents. So, you know, he was approached, I believe he was on a local council or a, a city government. And then uh, by by a honeypot, we say, you know, a female operative, uh, Fang Fang. And by the time he got to an influential position, uh, like uh, in the U.S. Congress, they already sort of have their uh, claws into him. And uh, this is being proliferated in places you wouldn't think, in the Midwest, in state governments. I believe in Nebraska was one of them. They'll go after state legislators. They'll try to influence governors. They'll sort of put their fingers in everything so that depending on when these individuals rise to higher ranks, they already have these subtle or not so subtle methods of influence. America's top military officer speaking with his Chinese counterpart Thursday. The virtual meeting marks the first military-to-military -military communication between the two countries in over a year. Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, U.S. Air Force General C.Q. Brown, discussed a number of global and regional security issues with China's General Liu Jianli. 
including how to responsibly manage competition and avoid misunderstandings. Liu is the chief of the military body responsible for Beijing's combat operations and planning. The video meeting follows an agreement last month between President Biden and Chinese Communist Party head Xi Jinping. That's to restore military-to-military communication. China severed it last year after then-House Speaker Nancy Pelosi visited Taiwan. U.S. officials have warned that restoring functional dialogue could take time. The recent incidents involving no less than our AFP chief of staff is worrisome. Yes. Philippine President Ferdinand Marcos Jr. outlined recent maritime incidents in the South China Sea on Thursday, including collisions between the two countries' vessels and Philippine accusations that China fired water cannons at its boats during a resupply mission. On board at the time, the Philippine Armed Forces Chief of Staff. Beijing claims nearly all of the South China Sea as its territory and accuses the Philippines of trespassing. An international tribunal in 2016 ruled China's claims as baseless. Over $200 billion in trade exchanged between two of the world's superpowers while one of them is at war. Cross-border business between Russia and China is skyrocketing. Ever since Russia launched its invasion of Ukraine last year, Russia has been ramping up purchases of all goods from China, as the West seeks to isolate it through sanctions. This led to a boom in China's automotive industry as a whole, which has already topped Japan as the world's largest vehicle exporter. According to Global Data Automotive, China's car manufacturers have reaped a staggering 55% of the Russian market this year, seven times that from 2021. And the benefits go both ways. From chocolate to sausages, Russian groceries are becoming increasingly present in Chinese supermarkets. But among the most vital commodities, energy. As the world battles higher energy costs, China has been buying Russian oil and natural gas at a discount. The two countries are also building pipelines to speed up the energy transfer. China's exports to Russia surged nearly 70 percent since 2021, prior to the invasion of Ukraine. That's all for today's China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocusntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.